Moletool is the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Established in 1853, Moletool has grown to become a recognized leader in lubricant technology. Racing teams around the world have trusted Moletool to deliver the endurance and performance needed to compete at the highest level. Even if you're not racing on the track, Moletool's full range of synthetic lubricants will protect your engine against wear and tear of your daily commute. Stop by Universal Imports to purchase Moletool's line of products today. Are you looking to service your import vehicle or even get a new to you import? Then Universal Import is what you're looking for. Try our personalized automobile location service, a surefire way to get you to the perfect car for you. Take advantage of our 11 service space along with a full collision and body shop. And don't forget to ask us about our car care club. Only $49 a year and you get things like a 100 point inspection, $50 off a laser guided alignment, $10 off oil changes, and a free New York State inspection, and more. It really does help you to extend the life of your car. Visit us at 834 Linden Avenue in Penfield, right off 441, or check us out on Facebook or our website at universalimports.com. Universal Imports, everything we do will make it easier for you. Saturday morning, and it's the Grease and Glamour podcast, and you are watching a movie, and you're watching a car go, take all these hairpin turns, but in the previous scene, you saw the the angry, scorned, cheated on wife being so upset that she goes out to her husband's car, and she cuts the brake lines on his Porsche 911, just so he's, he gets out to go to his girlfriend's house, and he's going around all the hairpin turns of the California hills just to realize he has no brakes and he lunges himself off of the cliff and down a hundred stories and to a ball of flames well good morning to you too <laughs> yes hello <laughs> today we're gonna talk about brakes wow. and uh brake myths and how your brakes work on your car and when you see those scenes in the movie of that car spiraling down the highway with no brakes, uh, is that something that really could happen? Is it is it real, true to form? Uh, we'll talk about all different things concerning and regarding your brake system on your car, history of brakes, and so on. Good morning. I am Mark Fierbacher. This is the Grease and Glamour podcast here with Jay Lawrence and Aaron Kane on a beautiful Saturday morning here in July at Universal Imports of Rochester, 834 Linden Avenue in Rochester, New York. Um, sales and service of import automobiles. So come down and check us out or check us out on universalimports.com for any of your car needs. How you guys doing today? Awesome. Beautiful day. Yeah. Did you like the intro? I liked it. I didn't I, know where you're going with I, it. But. Well, <laughs> but we're used to that, not knowing. But I was intrigued enough not even to say anything. You just kind of let him go because I was like, he is telling a great story right yeah, now. I purposely <laughs> didn't want to do any research for this podcast because I wanted to test my knowledge on breaks and let you guys hit me with questions and I could see how best we can answer them and talk about break stuff because, uh, you know, I, I mean, everybody knows their brakes stop their car and they also know that they're going to get a light on on their dash when it tells them it's time for new brakes. And some people wonder what is that weird feeling when they step on the brakes and it's got a vibration or a pulsation to it and other people are complaining about why are my brakes squeaking does that mean i need to replace them why don't we crack all that open talk about that kind of stuff and maybe help educate our listeners on the different things to know about their brake system well i will Mm -hmm. certainly be the one asking a lot of questions because i just look at brakes and go there's a lot of parts yes (laughs) i don't even know what they all do like they all say it every time you get a brakes done well you needed this 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 and this and th- I'm like, that's a complicated thing there. So, yeah, no, I let the professionals do it. Yeah. So we're just going to have to hit you with lots of questions, Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, did you know that the first brake systems were just pieces of wood that rubbed up against uh, the metal steel rim? Really? Yeah. Until the Michelin brothers created, you know, the rubber tires and then they had to use a different type of wheel for it. That's when they had to start coming up with a different way to 
Huh. So, the, so the wood blocks, they use them with like horse-drawn yep, carriages. Yep, that right, was the, yeah. So when they and they said that, they, that those would work for up to 10 to 20 miles an hour in sparse traffic. It would still stop. Would it cause you. fires though? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It could. I laughs> Some burnt wood. Some burnt wood. Do you remember that when you were a kid and you have to do the etchings? And uh, yeah, the burnt love wood? that. Yeah, love the, the smell of that burnt wood. Right down the middle of the road. That's all you smell. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, and then uh, and then of course you know here comes the controversies. Who invented the first drum break, which is pretty much the break that came you know after those first archaic breaks was the drum break. And the question is, is Renault? Or Gottlieb Daimler. Yeah, yep, I did right. my research. Maybach, yeah. Mercedes Benz. Mm. Mercedes Benz uh, technically had a drum brake on their cars, but uh, I think Renault uh, patented it first or something like that. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that's where we got the drum brake. And the drum brake was in existence for a long time on cars, like all the way through the 1900s up till the late 1960s or 70s until disc brakes came out. Most cars had drum brakes on them. I mean, they weren't quite the same drum brakes on those early 1900 cars, but it was still the same concept. So what did they do? So they had the the drum brakes and they just made additions to them and changed those up until they got the disc brakes? It kind of, you know, I mean, just really quickly, you know, it was out brakes were all like cable, all mechanical and cables that, would you step on the brake the cable would pull the the either the there was like these wire cords on the inside of the uh drum brake and then it got replaced by brake shoes you heard the expression brake shoes those are the shoes that went inside the uh drums and so when you pushed on the brake the cables would stretch and then the shoes would hit the drum and stop the car that way mm-hmm. obviously all friction based stopping which is what we still have today on cars uh, but now we have uh, most cars have four-wheel disc brakes, so they have brake rotors, which are also known as brake discs. Uh, usually, on a lot of cars, they're vented. They're vented rotors in the front, so they actually have a like air holes in the in between both surfaces, and that's because the front brakes take a lot more heat than the rear brakes. So mm-hmm. the front mm-hmm. brakes take a lot more of the burden of the of the car, and that's basically science. Because of the science, front, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, an object in motion <laughs> stays in motion. No, that's that's probably not that's, the no, but it's good. <laughs> that's good that you said that. You right. know that, but it has nothing to do with right. the brakes. But that's right. It's science, right? It Obviously, the yeah. force is getting pushed on the front of the car, the, so the front is taking the brunt of the braking. Uh, so therefore, you have vented brakes on the on the front of the vented disc brakes on the front. A lot of cars still have solid disc brakes on the back because they don't need as much uh, heat dissipation because they don't get as much friction as the fronts. Um, And now most cars are, of course, power-assisted hydraulic brake systems. Using fluids. Using fluids. What exactly does the fluid do in a brake? So it's really what's pushing the, the, the pistons on the calipers to push the pads out to grab onto the discs, and that's what stops the car. So most cars have uh, a brake booster, which is like an air-assisted um, so that it's not really hard to step on your brake. You have a brake master cylinder, which is what has the fluid in it that sends the fluid out to the brake calipers. Then you have the brake calipers, which are like claws that hover over the rotor, and they have the pads in them. And so when you push on your brake, they squeeze, and the pads hit your rotor, squeeze on your rotor like a sandwich until your car stops. You let off the brake, and then those ro- and those pads release, and all that's done with fluid. Um, I told you there were a lot of parts. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when I go back to that that opening scene of that movie, when you've got the guy driving because someone cut his brake lines, you know, and there's a lot of movies we've all seen those movies where you cut the brake line and there's no brakes and and they meet their demise. But in reality, since like the nineteen mid nineteen sixties or so, um, that's almost impossible to do you'd have to cut every brake. you'd have to mutilate the brake system completely not just cut one brake line to actually have a full brake failure like that Mm -hmm. Uh, because there is a safety mechanism in all the modern brake systems most cars have either a dual uh, master cylinder where if you cut a brake line on one side one brake line then you have two other brakes that will 
still works. So it has like two systems. So it's in a there. redundant system, so that to avoid just that. Right. Okay. So if you have a problem with one brake line, you'll still have a couple of the brakes that will work. Um, and you know, even if uh, someone was new so mechanically what to do and how to cut. You'd still start your car. You'd still step on your brake. You'd feel that you had almost no brake pedal before you decided to do 90 miles an hour yeah, around turns. And You're ruining nails. a lot of movies for yeah. a lot of people, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd still know that you have a soft brake pedal. It wouldn't just be like all of a sudden Ooh, you step on it and there's, an, and there's no pedal. But then what always drove me crazy about those like 1970s movies that had that is at that time you still had emergency brakes in the cars where you could pull up on the handbrake to stop the car or slow it down and they never u- seemed to utilize those handbrakes you know and that's that's another thing so we've talked about it we you know and i never really actually thought about it till you had mentioned it earlier the difference between an emergency brake and a parking brake right mm-hmm. yeah that's a, a thing a lot of people don't think about and it's actually a a topic we have to deal with often here in our service department because so many of the cars that are driven today are automatics. There's very few manual transmission cars, unfortunately. Um, and so most people don't even feel like they ever have to use, whether it's an emergency brake they have or a parking brake, they don't use it because why? You have you have an automatic car, you put it in park, and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So I'll get back to your Yep. Your question in a second, but on automatic cars, the reason why it's important to use your parking brake or emergency brake, depending on what car you have, um, is twofold. One is by using it, if, if it's a, if it's a mechanical emergency brake with cables, it's good to use it once in a while to keep the cables moving so that they don't completely rust and freeze up because guess what? Most states have a inspection process where you're, emergency brakes need to be working even if it's an automatic and even if you never use them they have to work they have to hold the car and they have to release the car so for no other reason than use your emergency brake so that it's always getting a little bit of movement so that mm-hmm. it'll, your car will pass inspection without you having to spend you know and you can you could spend a thousand dollars to fix emergency brakes and that's wow. painful when it's something that you never even use right. yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, we've had that hard conversation many times unfortunately, with customers. However, um, the other reason why on an automatic car you might want to use emergency brakes or parking brakes is that in your automatic transmission, when you put it in park, what keeps the car in park is a there's a big pin in there. It's called a PAWL, P-A-W-L. Hmm. I guess that's the right way to say it. But anyway, that... Uh, if you know there are sometimes people will like they'll roll into their driveway and as the car's kind of still moving i've done this too i mean accidentally but the car's kind of still rolling even if it's just a minuscule amount and you go and put the car in park well you're putting stress on that pin the other way you can really put stress on that pin is if you're on a steep hill say you're going to some festival mm-hmm. and you're parking on the side of the road on a steep hill mm-hmm. you put your car in park you know how you feel the car kind of rolls back a second? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it's rolling back, and it's resting on that big pin in the transmission. So you do that enough times, you start to wear that thing out. If that thing breaks, it's a transmission job, essentially. Oh, wow. So you're using your emergency brake or your parking brake in those senses to take the stress off of that pin that's in there. So so there's a, there is a legitimate reasons to use your parking brake in an automatic car yeah we got a friend's house that when we pull up in that driveway it's yeah i'm just not putting yeah you should not put in park i'm always using the parking brake you should use the parking brake even on an automatic car now obviously if you have a manual transmission car it's a no-brainer even when you if you put the car in gear when you park it people still put the the parking brake up hey mm-hmm. just remember to take the parking brake off when you're going back down the hill you go what is the matter with my car yes. <laughs> <laughs> i do that because i use that parking brake so infrequently yeah that then i forget that i did it and yep. then i pull out i'm like why is this going like this <laughs> but uh, but essentially a uh the difference between a parking brake and an emergency brake there really isn't much of a a difference except for in most newer cars now the parking brake is electronic so it's not even something that you could you can't even invoke the uh parking brake while you're driving so it couldn't act as an emergency brake because it only can be used when you're parking so you can't possibly right 
and good emer- to know because yeah. it's if it could happen, I could do it. That's <laughs> yeah. an emergency brake. Uh, you can uh, you know you can pull up on the handbrake to slow yourself down. In fact, I mean to anybody out there who's learning how to drive a manual transmission, one of the best tricks when you're when you are you know coming to a stoplight that's on a hill and you're concerned about rolling backwards before you get out of first gear is while you're sitting at the light with your clutch in have your handbrake up and as you start to go forward slowly release the handbrake as you're coming as you're letting off the clutch it helps the car from rolling backwards faster makes it a little less stressful to get you know that yeah. situation um, so that's just, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know that, but that's just a nice little. Well, I don't know. Tip. You know, I mean, I, I just think that when we all started out with manual transmissions, some of us in the room, some of us not. Some of us not. Don't even know me. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you had to learn all that, like the hills right. and, and how do you, you know, keep your foot on the brake and the clutch at the same time. It's kind of this dance that you had to do so that we didn't back into the guy. You know, b- yeah, behind you and stuff, and and using that brake, and at least they always. My father always told me, yeah, you got to test that brake every now and then. You yeah. got to use it, just like you said. Mm-hmm. He had a Volkswagen. We uh, have a lot of people each year that have to spend money on their emergency brake systems because they just they don't use them and they're just rusted up. And so, just using that once in a while will will you know prevent having to spend money on fixing that stuff. Um, but that's basically the difference between a parking brake and an emergency brake. So most of these newer cars don't have them. So how long can you usually go with replacing your brakes? Is there a certain time period? So that's a, that, that is a loaded question. And there's, as far as I know, no brake company out there, unlike tires, which they probably shouldn't do this either because there's so many variables. There's no company out there that's going to say you get – 30,000 miles out of a set mm-hmm. of brakes or 50,000 or 20,000. And by the way, there are also people that will need to replace their brakes after 20,000. And, and you'll hear, well, my first set of brakes lasted till 50,000. Well, and that does happen. One of the reasons that happens is that if you buy your car brand new and your first set of brakes last 50,000, it sort of makes sense. One is the pads from the manufacturer could from the, uh, not, not the after of the fact manufacturer pads, but the ones that came from the factory when the car was built potentially are a little bit thicker than any pad you're going to get after that, even from the, that manufacturer. Right. Mm-hmm. But more so is the brake system is brand new. It's super efficient when and the car so is many brand parts, new. Right. So there's so many parts that they're all brand new. Right. Everything, everything is perfect when the car is brand new. And it's as you know. After that first ten thousand miles, it, they're they're just a a percent or two percent less efficient than they were when it rolled out the factory door. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first set of brakes does have the possibility of lasting a bit longer. It also, uh, by design, possibly this is just speculation that manufacturers maybe give you a little bit of a thicker pad when it comes out of the when the car comes out of the factory, so that you're really singing that car praise that that car's praises for mm-hmm. that first fifty thousand because when the car's fifty thousand miles old and you go man I haven't even put brakes on this thing yet yeah that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> but in fact to the point like BMW they just stopped doing this but BMW for the longest time as part of their four year fifty thousand mile warranty would do your brake pads and rotors they that was part of the warranty mm-hmm. and very few car companies offered that. That was actually a really nice service that they don't do any longer. Uh, and they probably don't do it any longer because there are so many variables uh, that it's hard to control. Yeah, it was interesting. I was I was talking to one of our techs, and we were talking. I just got a, a, a new-to-me car, a nice mm-hmm. new Mercedes, and we were talking about brakes, about other things. And he was relaying the story that you actually have to use the brakes. Like, yeah. don't be super soft with them you don't you want them to actually use they're meant to be used and if you don't use them properly by actually pushing your foot down a lot of people just want to be so soft on right yeah if you're really so so, um if you're really soft on brakes that's uh allowing the ability for brake squeak because being real soft on your brakes uh it maybe keeps a little bit of the heat uh 
uh, from the rotor because you're not really full on hitting those things, but you're creating brake dust that gets that has the ability to get between the pad and the rotor, and that's what that's causes the brake squeak. Mm-hmm. squeak. So you could have perfectly good brakes that do not need replacement. They are thick pads and they are nice, clean surface rotors and have this god awful squeak to them. And uh, not only is it extremely annoying and you can't sneak up on people, but uh, the other problem is and why people equate it to them needing brakes is that there was a time where before we had brake sensors in cars where a light would come on, we had these squeal tabs. And the squeal tabs were part of the brake pad so that when your brake pad got low enough, this little metal tab would start hitting the rotor and cause a squeal. Mm -hmm. And that was your indication that you needed brakes. So that's people still have that mentality because, you know, cars they grew up on, when the brakes squealed, it meant it was time for brakes. Now that's not the case anymore. A brake squeal doesn't mean it's time for brakes. It means you have dust trapped somewhere uh, and you need a brake service. And a brake service usually can fix that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to get back because you, your question was how long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I started to answer that. But really what it amounts to is it's hard to say because if you, dr- if you live in a hilly area, you're going to brake a lot more. Mm-hmm. You also, how many times have you driven and seen someone in front of you riding their brakes? Yep. Every versus, day. versus yeah. other people that maybe have a manual transmission who hardly ever use their brakes because they downshift to slow down and, and that sort of thing. So um, everybody's driving habits are different. We see people that can go through brakes in 15,000 miles, and we see other people that can go 40. Um, and it depends on uh, it depends on where they're braking, how they're braking, all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, kind of like tires, I guess. You know, like how do you... Yeah, there's no... No, I mean, like, listen, I mean, you get some tires, like even for me, and the, the last 60,000, yep. 70,000, you're like, wow, that's exactly. amazing. Well, there's no way to that, tell. Yeah, there's exactly. no way to really, yeah. like, I don't, I don't know what to, I, if I could replicate that all the time, I certainly would, but I'm not sure what causes it. Yeah. Well, the other, so, and, you know, the, the way I feel about brakes and tires and any of these sort of service-related uh, maintenance items is that I don't think that the car industry – Uh, does a good enough job educating customers when they buy their car or buy their tires or buy their brakes. Everybody wants to promote how long-lasting their product is without telling customers what they need to do to make them last that long. Like there may be a 60,000-mile tire out there that truly can last 60,000 miles, but you don't have the right service person telling you that the only way you're going to achieve 60,000 miles is rotate <clears throat> excuse me rotating the tires every 7000 miles doing at least one maybe two alignments a year um it sounds ridiculous but yeah. i'm telling you where where we live in rochester new york two alignments is not an unreasonable request <laughs> not at all <laughs> um uh you know rotate alignments checking tire pressure if you know now cars have tpms tire pressure monitoring systems which are great they're sensitive and you get lights that come on whenever the weather changes, Mm -hmm. but uh, it does eliminate people riding around on their tires being too soft. However, tires can get overfilled and some of these TPMS uh, systems are not advanced enough to really tell you when your tires overfilled. They'll only tell you when it's underfilled. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of cars will tell you if it's over or under, but an overfilled tire can be just as bad as an underfilled tire. um, Because, if you have an overfilled tire, where's the wear going to be in the tire? Oh, we're back to science. In the middle of in the, the middle, tire. I was gonna say, yeah. In the middle. The middle of the tire is going to get worn out if the tire is overfilled. If the tire is underfilled, the sides, sides are going to get mm-hmm. worn out faster. That makes sense. Um, but, you know, you have all these things. So if you don't rotate a car, if you don't rotate tires or balance tires, if you have bad shocks, all those things aren't going to be the tire's fault that it didn't last 60,000 miles. Mm-hmm. You know, if your yeah. car has shocks that are weak, you can buy the best tires on the planet. You can rotate them every week. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> they could chop up in a matter of months, really. It, it can happen quick. Um, and then if you get a choppy tire, that's when you get noisy tires. Um, and the same is for brakes. If people were 
if people were educated from the onset of buying their car or from the onset of their first service with their car and said, okay, your brakes are in a perfect world due to last 35,000 miles, but we would really like to see you at 15 or 20,000 miles for a $150 brake service where we can sand down your rotor just a little bit, scuff it up so it doesn't get glazed over, clean your pads up, lubricate the sliders, uh, clean the piston boot, make sure there's no rips in the boot. We do all that stuff, put it back together. You could, for $150, buy an extra five to 10,000 miles on your brakes potentially. But that's that ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure mentality that a lot of people don't have anymore when it comes to their cars. And it's not because they don't want to spend it. It's because the car industry isn't educating them properly on doing those things. Well, I got to be honest. I never thought about a brake service. Yeah, me either. No. Right? Yeah. And I, <laughs> in, in, fact, in fact, so many of the things that we're doing on cars these days are uh, a result of a problem versus a doing something for a prevention of a problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and like with anything, prevention is almost always less costly. Yeah, yeah, and yep. than, than fixing that big problem. Preventative, preventative maintenance. That used to, you know, back in the seventies, uh, eighties, nineties, that was a huge thing in the car industry. I mean, the, the the thing that could really keep a service department thriving was doing tune-ups and doing um, tire rotations and wheel alignments and brake services and and all of those sort of things. Um, that pretty much because the car manufacturers are are trying to get people to buy their cars based on the fact that they need such little service, people are f- are being told they don't need to do these things anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think back and when it's I, not my, true. Yeah, like my first car, I mean, it was always, my first brand new car was, you know, going at 10,000 miles, going at 20,000, then it was a 50,000 or whatever, and they had specific things that they, mm-hmm. that they did, and you've kind of followed that because they were, Telling you, this I is mean, what you need yeah. to there do. are brand new cars that you don't need to come in for 15,000 miles for your first oil change. That, in my opinion, is not a good idea. Even if it's a brand new car, do you really want to go 15,000 miles without any eyes on that thing? Yeah. No. You know, yeah. with the with the road conditions, with the temperature changes, with all of these things, the, there, you need to, if for nothing else, even if the oil will last 15,000 miles, and mm-hmm. it probably will, you, to not have a pair of eyes on that car for 15,000 miles is mm-hmm. is risky business. Do we use, you know, uh, oil changes and things like that? I mean, is that a good way to – is that a good time to when you talk to your service advisor or whatever, say, hey, do you, would you mind checking and – Well, so this is the other problem, right? If we're talking about just people generally in the in – the, bringing their car in for service, wherever it may be. You also, you want your car to be properly maintained, and most people are also happy to spend money on preventative service. But a lot of people are leery about going into a service department anywhere, even if it's one they trust, and say, hey, do you think I need a a brake service? Because they're afraid that whether they need it or not, they're going to go, yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so people are reluctant to even ask that kind of stuff because it's almost like you're asking for it. Mm-hmm. And so they want to not say anything. So in my opinion, it's the job of a really good service advisor to advise that stuff without a customer even having to ask because most won't ask. Right. And mm-hmm. now I'll tell you this, too, and this is something we do at Universal Imports. And this is something that I would think that most people uh, in 2019 should expect out of their service department, wherever they take it, whether they take their car to a big dealership or they take their car to a little local garage. We live in in 2019, right? We have our phones by our side all the time. When your car is in for service, if someone says to you, you need a brake service, I would expect an email with a, a picture or a text picture, what my picture, my brakes, show me why I need the brake service. Oh, there's a ridge on my rotor. Yep, it makes sense. We that ridge isn't that big yet. We sand it down now. We can save your rotor. Save mm-hmm. And I can see that. Then, then I have a visual. I might not be able to drive back to the dealership to confirm 
what they're saying but if they send me a picture and they point going here's the ridge and we can clean up that ridge and that's gonna potentially buy you an extra 10,000 miles mm -hmm. on your brakes now I'm I don't I completely yeah. get it yeah. and for it 150 bucks I'm in exactly. yeah I mean just yeah. getting the visual I think but so brakes can last 10,000 miles and they mm -hmm. can last 40,000 but is there miles. like a but is there like an average mark that you think that that you, that you see like in all your years of <laughs> yeah. doing this I would say an average is you know probably between 25 and 35,000 miles mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, heavier cars and SUVs are going to be harder on brakes and harder on tires than a sedan is going to be. Mm -hmm. When people decide to buy an SUV, which a lot of the, a lot of this country anyway is, that's where they're at. SUVs is, is the, uh, you know, is the jam. Yep. Um, well, SUVs are heavier. SUVs are not only uh, they, I mean, they're great. They have a lot of pros to them. I certainly wouldn't want to talk anybody out of buying an SUV. They're wonderful for a million reasons, but they also can be a little bit more expensive to maintain because the tires are bigger, the brakes are bigger, the brakes take a little bit more abuse, mm -hmm. tires take a little bit more abuse, those sort of things. Y you brought up before the podcast started about all-wheel drive. Right. And, you know, all-wheel drive is now uh, a reason why you know, you can't just replace one tire anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like or you two. used to. And, and in a lot of cases, too. It, most tire experts, uh, and, and sometimes it's not, I don't always agree with this, but in a lot of cases I do, that you really don't want to replace just one tire, and sometimes you don't want to replace two, depending on if the other two, how, how worn they are, or how different the tread is, because that can tax the all-wheel drive system if not everything is the same circumference so mm -hmm. if you have an outside diameter of your wheel and tire on your fronts are even just you know a minuscule amount Mother. different if you're thinking about that how fast that wheel is spinning that sort of exacerbates the that, sure. that size mm -hmm. difference so so when we talk about that too the other thing i wanted to ask you about is anti-lock brakes yep because mm -hmm. we didn't really talk about those and i know that's been a thing i don't know for how many years 10 15 years oh mm -hmm. longer longer yeah. than yeah. that well just see that how light much comes on know. when you're you know driving in the rain or yeah. really yeah. well anti-lock brakes is something that a lot of people also are are just not they haven't been properly educated on what anti-lock brakes are what what their purpose is their purpose is, of course, exactly what it says. It's so that the brakes don't lock up. If you have to slam on your brakes uh, because of an emergency event, it's designed so that the brakes don't lock so that you don't wind up skidding out of control, potentially a vehicle flipping over. That's what can happen if your brakes are locked up and you're at a high rate of speed. You, there's, there's zero control from the car. Mm -hmm. You have a huge piece of metal with you in it, moving forward with no rolling <laughs> right mm -hmm. with no wheels rolling <laughs> uh so it's uh like sliding a it's like sliding a rock on pavement you can't control where it's going to wind up or go mm -hmm. so um so what was designed is this this unit that they put in the braking system that if you step on your brake really hard and it senses any imperfection in either the road conditions, so whether it's ice, snow, right. rain, which is where you mostly will have your ABS activate, although it can activate on dry pavement too, but if it senses any uh, vulnerability in the road surface, in the way the wheels are spinning, there's these little sensors in each wheel. They go and talk to the computer. The computer goes to this hydraulic pump, and what it essentially does is what are you taught? What were you taught, Jay? I'll, I'll go to you yeah. on this. When you were a kid, on ice or snow, how do you brake? Pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. So ABS brakes is does exactly that. It pumps your brakes for you. So instead of your brakes locking up, it does these. You, you when you step on an ABS, when when your ABS is activated, you'll hear that crunchy mm -hmm. crunch noise, and you'll feel your brake pedals like kind of resist, like doing something yeah. weird. Well, what that is is the brakes have decided to control themselves, and they're they're actually pumping mm. themselves for you, and that keeps you s stopping in a straight line. 
Now, the problem with that is, and what people need to realize, if you are stopping with ABS brakes, you will stop in a straight line, but it will take you twice as long to stop as if the ABS brakes weren't activated. Never thought of that. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, that is something that many fender benders, bumper hits in the wintertime are from people going, oh, I've got plenty of time to stop. They, they go to push their brake down. Their ABS activates, which is going to keep them stopped in a straight line. But the stopping distance is can be twice as twice far. Twice as my yep. double, so you're just plowing it. And there's, and there's – so that's what you need to – you just need to have uh, more room in front of you to stop when you have those poor road conditions. Um, Which, by the way, everybody – I mean, they tell you to pay attention <coughs> to those distances and pay mm-hmm. attention yep. to the cars in front of you. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't think anybody does. Well, not just that too, but I mean, people are on their cell phones. So I mean, that oh, right. you know adds to it too. So oh, the the amount of distracted yeah. driving, yeah, yeah. So ABS brakes are really a great thing, but they also uh, they have just like anything else, they have their pros and cons, and their mm-hmm. cons are stopping distances not as uh, efficient. And every car has them now. Every car has every ABS single brakes. Car. Every single car has ABS brakes. Ironically, though. Uh, like at least in New York State, your ABS brakes don't have to work properly to pass inspection. No, <laughs> oh. even well. though every car has them now, and that's because there are still a lot of cars that didn't have them up to a certain point. And so uh, I, well, I, I think I'm correct me. on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct on it that. It doesn't yeah. surprise me for New York State. For those of you who live in New York State, there's many things that we right. don't understand what they're doing. Uh, you know what? Now I'm other... scratching my head. I, I got to go back and look at that, so don't quote me on that. But I, but <laughs> I know that there's two systems that always I'm always bewildered on because airbags, the SRS system, the safety restraint system, also doesn't have to be 100% functional to pass inspection in some states. Hmm. That's like an Seems air traffic controller only being ninety percent yeah. good at his job. <laughs> like what? Yeah, it's something like that. I'll have to go back. We'll have to put it in some uh, some podcast notes or something somewhere. Yeah. So I might be retracting my statement on those two things, oh. but I know it's something like that. But Listen, it, you know, I'm sure there's many things that I've said that should have been retracted <laughs> twenty something times over. So that's all right, Mark. It's okay. It it makes for a great podcast. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> But so, oh, go, go ahead, Aaron. So, if you're driving along and your brake indicator light comes on, yeah. So, says it's time for brakes. How long do you have? Is it something you should bring in immediately? I mean, you know, yeah. people see that light and. So, I don't think you have to bring it in immediately. Um, but you should be bringing it in soon because every car is different. It's not. It 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 is a little bit like your car being on E and you still have a gallon of gas in there mm-hmm. uh it's not gonna the light's not gonna come on necessarily the uh, uh a day before you're gonna start hearing metal to metal mm-hmm. the good news is is you have four brakes on your car the sensor is getting triggered by probably just one of them um and actually when i say you have four brakes on the car most cars actually really have eight because you have a brake pad on either side of the rotor on each wheel so mm-hmm. you actually have eight brake pads on your car and some cars even have 12 brake pads, believe it or not, but we can get into that some other time. <laughs> you know, though, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, maybe I've done a good job at servicing my car because I don't think I've ever had a brake light. I was thinking, are, as you're talking, I'm going, yeah. I have a brake light on my yeah. car? I've never seen it. Yeah. Which, by the way, in most cars, the indicator is a circle with little dashes that look mm-hmm. like parentheses around the circle. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen and it. And that's, uh, that's your brake pad warning light. Um, usually, you ha- you're, you're on borrowed time, but you still have time. <laughs> Um, just not much time. Not not a lot of time. <laughs> you got time, but, but you do have mm. you do have some time. And you know, some people honestly they wait till they start hearing funny noises from their brakes before they bring them in mm-hmm. altogether. There, there's um, there is a not good reason to do that to wait. Aside from the fact that you your brakes won't be as efficient if you're hearing noises. But um, anyway, just really quick to get back to why that light comes on. So. Usually, in a lot of cars, it's just the front brakes that have a sensor. The rears don't even have one. Okay. You may not even get, you won't get a light if the rear brakes wear down. You'll start hearing them make noise if a service uh, facility hasn't told you at an oil change or a checkup that they're low. Um, So, rear brakes, often, you'll have a service person come to you and say, hey, your rear brakes are low. 
you should replace them. And one of the questions we'll get back is, well, why hasn't my light come on? Mm -hmm. And with rear brakes, it's really easy. A lot of them don't even don't have mean. a sensor to turn a light on. Gotcha. The front brakes, <clears throat> the front brakes, however, do. And most front brakes, uh, the sensors are actually a little plastic and metal piece that is inside the brake pad. And as the brake pad wears out and it gets to a certain thinness, I'll say, mm -hmm. it exposes the metal, the little metal piece on that plastic sensor that's wedged in the brake pad material. So when the brake rotor, which is metal, hits the metal on this little sensor, um, it triggers the light. It shorts out the, the sensor and s turns on the light. And that's how you get your brake pad warning light. I didn't know that. No, no. Listen, I don't know anything. And I'm just sitting here today going, man, I am as dumb as a bag of rocks. <laughs> well, this is good because that means probably a lot of people out there don't really know these sort of more mechanical parts of their brake system. And it's good. It's just good stuff, but, good common knowledge stuff to know. But I got to say, I don't know if if I'm more amazed by the fact that I'm just dumb as a bag of rocks or that how much Mark actually does know about this. I'm like, or I'm making, awesome. or I'm really making a lot of great stuff. Well, up. if you're, if you're doing that, we're, you know, we're getting together. I mean, there's probably movie. more technical ways to say the things I'm saying, but I think I, I, I want to give it uh, what I've always, uh, what I've always appreciated about how I've learned this industry is that I've learned it from the layman's eyes. So I know I have the knowledge, but I can, I can, Put it back out there in layman's terms mm -hmm. because that's how i learned it yeah well if you can get it, me to learn you know, any of this then right on because <laughs> if you're going to ask me to go replace your brake pads i'm gonna say yeah. you don't want that yeah. but i do know after 30 something years why how it works and and what it's all about but anyway um in some brake pads that sensor is set further back than in others so there are actually some brake pads where the light will come on and you still have a lot of life left on the brake. Okay. Sales technique. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, you don't, I don't know what the rhyme or reason is for it, but there are some where it's like, man, this pad still has a lot of life left on it, but it's already sending the, the signal to the dashboard to turn the light on. Um, so if you get a light on, you don't need this if you're on a trip you don't need to stop your trip you don't need mm -hmm. to uh, run right away to the first thing but it is something you're going to want to get checked fairly fairly soon the reason you don't want to let your brakes wear down all the way to nothing which some people do and even though their brakes might be a little less efficient uh it's not really that unsafe to wait a little bit but the reason you wouldn't want to wait is that every when your brake pad gets low the piston in the caliper that pushes on the pad has to push out further for that pad to hit the rotor. And the further that piston pushes out, the more risk of that piston not going back in right. <laughs> mm -hmm. the right way is, especially if, it, if the car's a little bit older. And I don't mean 20 or 30 years old. I mean, if the car's 5 to 10 years old, those brake calipers are, they have, they're, they're older. Mm -hmm. They ha they might have a little bit of rust, or they might have salt from the previous winter, or dirt from the uh, county fair that you went to the week before, or whatever. When that piston pushes out and dirt gets back, t touches that, and that piston goes back in, the dirt's scraping the piston. Mm -hmm. The piston can seize, and then you get a phone call saying not only do you need pads and rotors, but you need calipers too and calipers one caliper can be the cost of a whole front brake job in some oh. car cases so can get very expensive very quickly there's also i want to use this forum to bust a myth that i hear all the time and this is going to be me advocating for import cars especially european cars because people still not as much anymore but still have this taste in their mouth that if I want to buy an import car, I would love to have a Mercedes or an Audi or a BMW. Um, but, oh, I just I can't afford the service on that car. I can't afford to put brakes on that car. Well, I'll tell you what. Go price out brakes on a Ford or a Chevy. They're not cheap either. Mm -hmm. um, so not that uh, the price of the repair of the service work on an import car is is cheap by no means, but it's also not cheap on anything else these days. Yeah. There's nothing cheap anymore. It <laughs> no. doesn't listen, it's like going to Vegas. There really I, is. You used to be able to go to Vegas and get a dollar buffet. Right. 
right. Really? You want to go there now? 38 bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Nothing's cheap. let's talk about the, the auto auction, okay? Back to Mannheim, yeah. right? We used to go, when I was a kid, to Mannheim, and they had a bunch of Amish people doing the cafeteria, and you could get this wonderful Amish meal for, like, next to nothing it was almost a joke how much you it's like why even charge me if you're charging me three dollars for this you know five Uh course amish meal but now you can easily spend 25 bucks a person yeah Uh, but but i gotta be honest though that steak i had was pretty spectacular (laughs) oh the food's great but i was just gonna ask you like when are we going again and not because i want to see the cars but but if it was that same food for three dollars it would taste even Uh, better than if it was 25 oh absolutely but yeah when are we going again (laughs) yeah well it's gotta be soon i'm in i'm in um we gotta just not doing a podcast at midnight well we (laughs) might have to just do it at 10 and see if we can get that auctioneer there again yeah that'd be great talk to him for a little more um yeah so so back to uh, you know that it's it's a matter of if when you come in to a if you find a proper service place maybe that place is place is going to be Universal Imports Universal Imports of Rochester visit us at UniversalImports.com for all your car braking service needs sorry I had to throw that in there real quick yeah we knew but <laughs> we if just we look at each other you know if we do <laughs> if we do an oil change on your car or we're doing a tire rotation we're gonna look. We're always going to visually inspect your brakes. We're not going to push you to do anything that the car doesn't need. But we are going to say, hey, you know, pads are getting low. You don't need to replace them right now, but let's do a brake service, see if we can make them last a little longer. Mm -hmm. Or if we see your rear brakes are getting really low and there's no indicator to tell you when they're low, um, let's get them done before we have a brake caliper problem. Um, And there's also, you know, there's lots of different brake rotors out there from – inexpensive to very expensive um and in some applications the inexpensive ones work just fine so here's a question on that then this is a good one what is the difference between materials they use for brake pads because i always hear a lot of them that say oh well this one's gonna it's forever you're never gonna have to replace it so that was a that's always a question like i'm always like I don't. What are they? Because they? they have ceramic brake pads. They have ceramic, yep. organic, semi-metallic. They have. Uh, they See, when I think of ceramic, I think of pots. Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think of pots. Yes. I think of somebody sitting around, you know, <laughs> yeah, making a, a spinning pot. a wheel. Yeah, it's like a, spinning a wheel with their it's foot. Patrick and, Swayze and Demi Moore, <laughs> yeah, uh, spinning brake yeah. pads on thinking, the wheel while the Righteous Brothers play yeah. in the background. <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't want. Brake pads made out of like pots. So <laughs> now every time we talk about ceramic brake pads, I'm going to think of uh, Demi Moore around yeah. the. No, well, that's just how my mind works. Sorry, so. sorry to digress, but well, was, but that's the question. Like, w- w- what is the difference in the material? Well, so it, it used to be that brake pads had uh, asbestos in them. Okay, and back in the 80s, and even maybe into the early 90s, before there was a huge concern about the health concerns with asbestos. Mm-hmm. That's what brake pads had. And, I mean, I just remember going out into the shops back then and, you know, the tech, the techs are grinding down the the brake pads to oh, scuff man. them up and this dust that's just blowing in there. And, you know, <laughs> years later, they're like, yeah, that stuff's not so good for you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, and uh, so they got rid of that. And when they got rid of asbestos in brakes, they had to come up with different materials. And one of the materials they came up with was called a semi-metallic brake pad. And semi-metallic brake pads had a lot of very good qualities. Uh, for example, they uh, were like the most, they were the best performing brake pads. They lasted a long time. They, um, the, the performance was great. Um, in cold weather, they could really bite the rotor really good, all of that. Um the problem with metallic, semi-metallic brake pads is they, they could squeak a lot. And that's where ceramic or organic brake pads came into play because they were softer mm. and mm. they didn't, they didn't uh, provide, uh, uh, they didn't cause as much brake squeaking. Um, but they probably didn't last quite as long. They didn't last as long. That was, that was probably the biggest problem with them. Um, yeah, but they didn't also create as much heat on the brake rotor, which wouldn't cause that brake pulsation that sometimes you get from a brake rotor. So they caused less heat. They didn't last as long. They didn't create brake squeak. But the one thing that they create the worst, and it's most people's biggest complaint, is brake dust. 
So you get that brake dust. You see cars where like the front brakes, like the wheels are black because of the brake dust that they they get on them. That's from the 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 material of the brake pad they're using. Oh. It also can also play into how hard they use their brakes and all this other stuff. Now, uh, there there was a big problem after the old asbestos brake pads, and they came out with all these different materials. And they were figuring out what worked. I mean, there was even a point where we had a solution, and there's probably some shops that still do this. There were companies that came out with these special oils that we would have to take. Oh, man, I remember these days. It was so annoying. We used to take a set of semi-metallic brake pads because they're so hard and metal, metal yeah. stuff in them, metal flakes. We had to take this solution. Well, it was almost like a like hand lotion. Rub them onto the brake pad put them in a baking tray and put them under a heat lamp for an hour or two to let the solution soak into the brake pad before we put them on to Jeez, try and like soften them. Like, oh, yeah. it was crazy. It was like we were <laughs> I'm thinking like back in my day cinnamon buns or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm, you, the you, smell you, of brake. You, you asked any of the guys in the back, we had these little like incubators where we had to, okay, this uh, we have to put brakes on this car. Okay, well, it's going to be two hours before the pads are ready because you have to take the pads, put them on this cookie sheet, wow. put this stuff on them, stick them under a heat lamp, wait, and then put them on the car. I think we should just mess with the guys back there and say we're going back to that. <laughs> we should just bring the oven <laughs> oh, in. Oh, man. I, just I, set it there and don't uh, say anything. I, I They'll be hate, like, why hated, is that oven in here? <laughs> I hated that. It, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there there uh, actually was uh, a fix for the brake dust problem because it was really bad. Like, and some cars still have it really bad. Yeah, my old car. Yeah, brake dust is still a problem. So they came out with these metal shields, painted them black, and they they would take different wheels of cars and they'd find a way to put them in, and it was called a dust cover. And this dust cover went on the inside of your wheel, and so when you looked through your wheel in fact we even have a car out there that has them we have a blue 2005 audi a6 where i i'll never forget when the the owner who owned that car he insisted on getting these brake dust covers for it uh-huh. and it was a good idea for him it worked great uh these dust covers you gotta go look at it after the I podcast do, yeah. this dust cover sits on the back of the wheel and so the dust hits the back of that cover and you never see it on your wheel oh so then you go, well, why wouldn't everybody do that? And the reason is, is that the downside to the dust cover is it doesn't let the brakes ventilate. The air. I was going to say, uh. not enough airflow. So the brakes get hot and they stay hot longer because they're not getting cooled down by the airflow. And then what happens is you wind up with brake pulsation. So brake pulsation is almost always the result of a brake rotor warping. And the warping used to be something that they could solve back in the day. They had these brake lathes. Oh, okay. You remember yeah, getting oh, yeah. your brakes yep. turned? Yep, absolutely. They don't do it anymore. You don't hear very – there are still some places that, that will turn brakes, but it's not as common a practice as it once was. Part of the reason is brake rotors are a little less – they're a little more obtainable – and in a lot of cases, they're less expensive for an aftermarket set of brake rotors. So it doesn't make sense to, to turn the, the brakes. But the reason we stop turning brakes is that you shave too much of the metal off of the rotor, and then they're going to warp because warp. They, they take a lot of heat. So what are the pads made of? Now? What are the majority of the pads now that we... Either semi-metallic that- or organic or ceramic. The, those, are still, mm-hmm. those are still the... the the materials that we're talking about when we're putting brakes. And now, in so when you decide to put either one, is it usually car specs that, that dictate uh, or tires? Or? So if you were going to say the your car manufacturer's dealership, uh, they may decide that they only put ceramic pads on or they only put um, semi-metallic on. But there are for every car, there are tons of choices for uh, brakes. Mm-hmm. We still we still prep brake pads. When we put them on a car, we don't have to do that thing I told you about with putting solution on them and everything. But we do still shave down the edges a little bit of the pad uh, so that we don't have any sharp 
hmm. uh, edges on the pad that might hit into the rotor that could cause brake squeak. So we do we do still take a couple precautionary measures when we do your brakes to prep the pads, and we even take the brand new rotors in the box. They could be sitting in a warehouse for a year, right, with humidity and mm-hmm. everything else, and so they have to put this special glaze on the rotor for storage. So as that thing's sitting in a warehouse somewhere, it has a um, a glaze on it. So we have to take each rotor and we have to take a sanding disc and we have to sand all that glaze off. That's what I hear every day. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, that was going to be another yep. question I had at some point. Like, what is that one sound that I sounds like a dentist? Yeah, yeah. You. It have sounds to, like the dentist exactly drill. What it is. We have to sand. <laughs> we have to sand all that glaze off of the new rotors because if we don't, you're not going to get a good bite with the uh, with the pad and the rotor. Well, listen, if nobody else got a lot of information out of this, I certainly did. Oh, I Cause did I'm too. Like, yeah. Now I've got so many questions answered. I'd like to thank you for that, Mark. Yeah, yeah. and I'll I'll finish it up with this. Um, with when it comes to. Because this happens a lot. This has happened to me a million times. It actually happens to Aaron and I very often when we when we buy cars and they come off the truck and we'll take them down the street and we'll be test driving them and everything's great, but you'll step on the brake and you'll get a little bit of that brake chatter. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that goes through my head is, well, I'm, I'm probably putting brake rotors on this car. Uh, although you keep driving it, 20 minutes a half an hour maybe it even takes as long as a day or two of driving and for example I don't know, months ago we had bought this beautiful volvo and we were driving it back from yep. pennsylvania 300 miles actually i think you were with us yeah yep. and those brakes were chattering your teeth when you stopped and by the time we got up to rochester they were smooth as I don't know what is something smooth as glass. glass. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say smooth as apple pie. <laughs> isn't apple well, pie kind of like chunky? Isn't that applesauce? I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I, <laughs> so, uh, anyway. where does your mind? I don't how does know. your mind? <laughs> I know. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, how I could get there? Like, that's awesome. You know, it's just that every, every, you know, like breaks, everybody's Whatever. mind works differently. Well, I mean, it's close to like lunchtime now. So I guess, we'll yeah, I guess I'm going. just getting hungry. So <laughs> smooth as apple pie. Um, so uh, the moral of the story is you go on a trip, your car is potentially sitting in your driveway or in the long-term parking lot at the airport. You get back, you're driving home, you step on the brakes and you go, blah, 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 blah. you go, oh boy, something's wrong. Give it a little time. And also, if you live in New York State and you're driving, just understand 90% of the time it's the road. Because <laughs> yeah. they're just horrible. Very but you'll true. get that brake pulsation. Give it a little time. What happens is a light rust surface builds up on the rotor. If it's sitting for days on end, even if it doesn't rain, just the humidity alone can can cause a little bit of this sort of rust layer on the rotor and it just needs a little time to be shaved off and the and the brakes will be fine again um that being said if someone's away for a long time it's advantageous to have a neighbor a family member a friend move your car once in a while take it down the street and back so that because if it gets too bad there's a there is a point of no return Mm -hmm. uh if that rust gets too bad on there after sitting too long nothing's gonna nothing's gonna get it back to perfect except for replacing the rotors. So if you're gone for a long time, have someone drive your car every now and then. If you're gone for a week or two, um, chances are it's going to solve itself after braking a little bit. And also with brake squeal, before you, if you do have brake squeak, brake squeal, if it's not too bad, it's possibly reversible. You can probably get the squeal to go away without having to come in for a brake service. Before you spend your money on a brake service, which we'd be happy to oblige you with if you absolutely need it, but the first thing we'll tell you is go out and when you're on the highway and it's safe to do, give that car some really good hard stops. If you really get on those brakes, you can shake that dust between the pad and the rotor loose. You can potentially get that brake squeak to go away just with some different braking habits. But we don't advocate that. No. Rush hour traffic. Right. No. <laughs> Obviously, only when it's safe to do some hard braking yep. can reverse the brake squeak phenomenon. 
I'm still oh, on apple right. pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is almost lunchtime, and I, I actually think I'm going to have a slice of apple pie. Um, <laughs> we'll just see how smooth it really is. Erin, uh, you have some news for us? Yeah, I have a couple articles here. So um, so the Audi RS Q8 launches this year, um, but expect more RS SUVs to come. There has been a high demand from customers for high-performance SUVs, Audi Sports Managing Director Oliver Hoffman said. There is going to be developing RS versions of the Q3, Q5, and Q7. And according to the article, we can expect to see RS-badged SUVs within the next 12 months. Right now, Audi has the RS in the three Three, four, five, eight, and the TT models. So you saying that is putting every Audi nomenclature together, and it just blows my mind to like that's the best. An R, which signifies a a, a sport version of an Audi, mm-hmm. an S. So y- you know you have an S of of an Audi, and then you have an RS, which is the top of that, mm-hmm. and a Q8. Those are all the letters and numbers <laughs> in the Audi lineup Listen, that I want to hear. I'm just sitting here going, "What in the heck are you even An talking RS about?" I'm Q8 like, "RSQ8 would be sounds like the ultimate car yep. to me. Probably at the ultimate price oh, tag, yeah. I would bet. <laughs> I, I gotta see that car's got to be over a hundred, most likely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll bet you it's one twenty something like that. We'll have to look that up, but yeah. uh, but wow, an RSQ8." That's a nice car. Yeah. It's almost as good as apple pie. <laughs> That's almost. better than apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> now, driving my RSQ8 to go get some apple pie, life couldn't be better. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right on. What uh, else you got? Uh, so Tesla will soon bring Netflix and YouTube streaming to its cars. Oh, no. According to Elon Musk, Tesla will soon allow its owners to stream Netflix and YouTube right on their vehicle's multimedia screen. The vi- video streaming will only be available when the car is parked, though. Um, Musk stated that when driving, uh, self-driving is approved by regulators, they will enable video when moving. Who sits in a car and decides, oh, I'm going to stay in here and I'm going to watch my favorite show or I'm going to get out of my car and walk the 30 feet into my living room. Right. Like (laughs) when you're camping, really do you, you know, we often talk about Tesla and I'm starting to get really concerned. Is anybody else with me on this? I I just, I just, the first thing when you say that, what I picture is, I have a 300-mile range on my Tesla, and I'm watching my sh- – like, right now I'm watching the show The uh, Designated Survivor, which just got onto Netflix, mm-hmm. which is a – it's an old, older show from, like, I don't know, one of the networks, but – Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland, yep. you know, as the president. And uh, I can't watch only one – like, I have to watch at least two. Like, it can't, every episode hooks me into the next one. Mm-hmm. So – the first episode, my 300-mile range goes down to 250. <laughs> the next episode, I'm down. To, I can't get home because I've wasted <laughs> yeah, all my battery stuck. power on Netflix. But, but here's the thing. But you can't even watch it until you're parked. Correct. Right. So I, I want people to really think about this. Think about your driving patterns, what you use a car for, and all those other things. Seems silly to me. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Seems silly. I'm to just me. throwing it out there. Now, other people that are listening yep. might say, Jay, you're nuts. But I'm just sitting here going, Mm, I think there's so many other things you could fix on a car yeah. that would be spectacular. You could, I mean, you could buy a nice Tesla and live in your car. I mean, pretty much. Maybe that's what the Netflix. amount of money some of these cars yeah. cost. <laughs> you won't have any other option <laughs> than to live in your you car. Listen, you won't be able to afford the subscription. Yes. <laughs> so, <True>. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It that's uh, that seems like crazy talk to it me. Does. But I know. It's like the self-driving motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same thing to me, like, why? I know. <laughs> why? If you could use four wheels, why would you possibly use two? I, I don't know. know. In, in a self-driving. <laughs> in a self-driving. Right? Like, yeah. like, look, oh, look. no hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to sit in there long. Uh, that just seems so strange. <laughs> it's just odd. I know. Hmm. Do you have anything else? No, that, that's no, all yeah, I got. Can't that top was, that. I can't there was I no couldn't top, top that one. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't even, I don't, yeah, I don't get that. I mean, I, I still like Teslas, and I still think that they're going to have their place in the in. I mean, even being the pioneers doesn't necessarily guarantee them a place in the future for electric cars. But I think that they will. Well, have I got to be honest. I think if they keep focusing on Netflix mm-hmm. in your car, they're probably not going to be the number one because somebody else is out there thinking, "How do I get a car to have 800 miles of?" Of, of use which yep. th- this is this is what needs to be focused on they need to 
stop thinking about Netflix and stuff in a car <laughs> and figure out how they get yes. 300 miles to 800 mile yep. range or even 600 mile range because once they achieve that, that's a, that's a <clears> deal that's breaker. It. Yeah. That's, that's it. it. Yep. Now we're then good the, to go. then the electric car is one for sure because the only thing that's going to hold people back right now besides the price tag is the range. Yep. Yeah, Tesla to me in some cases, other manufacturers are like this too. I feel like they're magicians. Like, look at this hand over here. Ah, oh, look at the uh, <laughs> yeah. here it is. Here's well, Netflix uh, over here. Oh, don't pay attention. We don't yeah. have yeah. any distance. That's on this a, that's thing. in <laughs> that's in every industry. That's yeah. in our government. Yes, is yep. <laughs> I. It's wag wag the dog. Wagging right? the dog. Wag, wag the dog. Wagging the dog. Wagging the tail of the dog. Yeah. However yep. it goes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, look over here. Oh, don't pay attention <laughs> over here. <laughs> so anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that this uh, shed any uh, light in your. Uh, when it comes to your breaks. Um, if there's anything that you have questions on that we didn't answer in this podcast, feel free to uh, email mark at universalimports.com. Or ekane at universalimports.com. Yep. I even call I even call Aaron E. Kane sometimes. Just, I don't know. How does I call her E? E? E. Hey, E. Oh, yeah. Hey, E. I, I e like- was on uh, Entourage. Oh, I didn't watch it. Oh, you didn't watch Entourage? No. I started watching it. I just couldn't Are get into it. Are you guys kidding me? Yeah. No. That's like no. the, that was, that probably was the best show on TV ever. Mm. Yeah, no. I haven't got oh, there yet. Do anything. Doesn't mean I won't watch it. It's or so binge good. it at some point. Yeah. Jeremy Pivens. Listen, I still haven't seen Game of Thrones. Amazing on that show. I still haven't seen Game of Thrones. So. Well, Game of me Thrones either. is good, but I think Entourage is better. I, Entourage was just, that was the show. That show was great. Hmm. But, um. Yeah, mental note. One. Yep. <laughs> um, so anyway, universalimports.com for all your car sales and service needs. Uh, give us a call 585-381-8677 or uh, or again email us and we'll answer any questions you have. Uh, the Grease and Glamour podcast is soon going to be joined with a Grease and Glamour newsletter that we're going to be putting out to our customers here at Universal Imports. And if you want to take part in having that newsletter where we can talk to you more about breaks and about the things that are going on at Universal Imports, as well as uh, different offers, coupons, that sort of thing, um, just uh, give us a give us a shout on email, and we'll make sure we get you get you hooked yep, up into love that. Love to get you on that list. Um, so anyway, till next time. I'm Mark. And I'm Jay. I'm Aaron. Have a good one. See you.